1: Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host JP John Paz with me today is a very special guest, a two-time impact wrestling woman's champion, a, a correct me if I'm uh, pronouncing this correctly, but a triple-A Reina de Reinas champion. She's of course <laughs> the virtuosa herself, Diana Parrazzo. Diana, welcome to the two-man power. Thank trip. Thank you, you so doing?
0: much. Thanks for having me.
1: No problem. So what's going on in your world? What have you been up to?
0: not much uh it's december so the holidays are coming up and my schedule winds down um i'm a crazy christmas lady so um steve and i have just been getting the house ready and wrapping presents and and enjoying our time off
1: nice steve and and uh, you and obviously myself all new jersey natives which is nice <laughs> yeah very weird steve's like best friend uh mark His sister. I went to college with her, so I was friends with her forever. When I I was like, "Whoa!" It's like that's weird. What a small world. That's pretty. Oh
0: wow! I feel like when you're from Jersey, you kind of know, and there's like no matter where in the state you're from, you're gonna know somebody who knows somebody else, and like it's 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 weird world within its weird world.
1: (laughs) I was just saying that to somebody before. They're like, "If you're from Jersey, it's not a small place by any means, but for some reason, it's such a small world." Like, "Oh, I know them. They're from New Jersey. Yeah, it's weird."
0: Yeah. And, and there's so many of us in wrestling that like, um, literally, we grew up like 20 minutes from each other and things like that. And wrestling like brought us together. So um, Jersey strong. I love being from Jersey.
1: Yeah, that's right. I know you said you don't miss the weather, though. I know that.
0: No, not at all. I'm a Floridian for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> Is it weird, though, having Christmas in Florida? You know, there's no snow. It doesn't really get too cold. Isn't it weird?
0: So this Christmas is actually going to be my first Florida Christmas. Um, I've been down here for three years now, and I've always went home um, and saw my parents are in Jersey. I have a nephew who lives up there um, with his mom. So I have I always made the trip. Um, but last year, Steve and I drove uh, because his parents are also in Jersey. Um, my dad is right over the border of Jersey and New York. Um, and it was just too much, Six, 16 hours up in the car with our dogs, who don't necessarily love to be in the car. Um, And then where his parents are is, like, two hours from my mom, which is an hour from my dad. So it was, we spent more time traveling than we did with our families. So we just said, F it. This year it's a Florida Christmas. Um, We're in our house uh, that we just bought. So we're just, we want to enjoy it. And then, um, so I'm excited to see what a no snow or cold weather Christmas is like, because I don't know.
1: Yeah, that is – I know it's got to be different for sure because, you know, usually New Jersey, it's always snowing or it's always freezing. I mean, it feels like Christmas if it's hot it's, or, or, you know, yeah. not that not that cold. It doesn't really feel like Christmas.
0: Luckily, Florida does go through, like, its own little winter. Um, so it's not like it's 100 degrees outside during Christmas. We'll probably get in, like, the low 50s, which – When you're used to it being 80 every day, 50 becomes cold. So my my blood is thin now, Um, but it does get a little chilly. So uh, it's not completely gone.
1: So as you're down in in Florida, like what's the uh, wrestling like? The wrestling scene, I know you obviously do an impact, but is there a lot of tapings, a lot of stuff going on? What's the scene like down there?
0: Yeah. I So, to be honest, I don't know too much about Florida independent wrestling because um, I never did it. Uh, I never was, like, flown to a Florida show or anything like that when it was in Jersey. Um, and I there's not too many local places um, that I know of down here. So, everyone I know kind of gets flown elsewhere. Unless, of course, you know, you work in NXT. And then when I was there, we had house shows all over the state. Um, so I don't really know too much about Florida, but, uh, yeah, impact is back to traveling again. We were in Vegas, um, in October, and then we just wrapped up our tapings, um, in Vegas in November. And then we have like a little throwback special show coming up in, in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. So we're not done yet, but, um, we're back to traveling and it feels great just to, to get out of Nashville with no fans and kind of explore again.
1: Yeah. That's gotta be, uh, you know, refreshing a little bit to get out there and start doing the touring again because i mean that is weird doing tapings in front of nobody
0: yeah (laughs) when we finally had fans back for anniversary, i was like it's time like i'm i'm over the no fan thing um you know and it was good because we still got to wrestle during the pandemic um but yeah it just gets it gets really old quickly um and i think that fans appreciate being able to come to shows now we appreciate it 10 times more so it kind of gave us that reset button that i think maybe we all needed
1: it's funny like you know wrestling everyone thinks like oh wrestling is just tv but the crowd plays such a role it's it's crazy it's like watching without the crowd watching with the crowd you know complete 180 it's just horrible <laughs> it's, yeah it's, and you know, and
0: like at from a wrestling standpoint like wrestling in front of a crowd versus no crowd you you, there's certain things you can't do when there's no crowd because it's just it's silly to lay there for uh you know we're both down and there's a 10 count but the fans aren't chanting 10 with you or like you know uh spots where you go back and forth and there's no boo yay um it just kind of makes it that much harder because in your head you're like ooh this should be happening and it should get this reaction and then you go out there and there's no reaction um so yeah i mean just to just to be able to interact on that kind of level has made all the difference i think in my world personally but i think in the world of wrestling itself
1: if you think about it it's like okay there's no crowd or that's weird like who's getting over who's not getting over you know it's impossible to say to tell i mean just you just don't know
0: yeah and i think too like you also, for, for that first chunk of time when there were fans back, like, everyone was over. Because for the longest time, you know, in yeah. that aspect, no one was over. Um, and the fans were just happy to see wrestling live again and to, to be able to come back. And, and um it had been so long. So it kind of was like a weird where they were just, like, happy to see everyone. So there was no bad guy or good guy at first. It was just like, yay, there's people!
1: It's one of those things where it's like, well, I hope that never happens again because, you know, it's only, it could be boring as a fan to watch and there's no reaction, or if they're piping in sound, you know, if they're like piping in like the fake noise. It's like, uh, or like the Thunderdome thing. It's like, eh, I don't know about this.
0: Well, yeah, and and when people started to to pipe in. Um, crowd reactions, like Impact wasn't doing that at first. So then it was right. kind of like, oh, but it, it's kind of better because at least it gives you something. But then, yeah, it's just all like processed and fake. Um, and, you know, you don't really know who's going to get a reaction. So it was interesting to come back and and uh, see, especially because at Impact, I had been the champion all throughout the pandemic. So there was no telling if how fans were going to take me as the knockouts champion because they hadn't seen me in that role yet. Um, right. So it was exciting to to get that welcome. But then um, also then realize like, oh, we, we're not supposed to like her, boo her and how that reaction kind of transcended over time.
1: What did you feel like being champion for that period of time? I mean, you're kind of carrying the company. I know there's no fans, but, you know, it's a responsibility and pressure. It's like, OK, I've got to perform even though there's no crowd. I mean, there's a, an audience that's watching.
0: Yeah, it was it was difficult because, again, you're not getting instant feedback, you know what I mean? You can go out there and, and do a promo in the ring um, and we kind of don't know how it's gonna go until it's on social media. So I think that Impact did a really great job of upping our like social standpoint and doing more things for digital um, that just strictly go on Twitter or on YouTube or on our Facebook or on our Instagram. Um, they, they experimented with like Russell House. So that was kind of cool because it gave everyone an opportunity, again, to reset and kind of introduce who they wanted to be. Um, and for me, it was just, a weird place anyway, because I had just been released from WWE, NXT, and I didn't know if this, like, virtuoso character was going to work. So we really tried to, like, tap into that social aspect to to, un- to get people to understand what I was trying to get across um, and hope and pray that it worked that way. And and luckily it did. Um, but yeah, again, I was just so ready to, to f- have the fans back and to feel that energy um, because I, I was over it. I was so over it.
1: So how would you describe the virtuosa? How would you explain it to the fans?
0: Um, so interestingly enough, all of the promos that Impact released uh, my first like two or three weeks was stuff that I had filmed prior and pitched elsewhere. Um, but you know, by definition, the virtuosa is an individual with outstanding technical ability. Um, and, and a lot of times it relates to like dance or, or art. Um, so for me, the virtuosa defined my wrestling style, which is very technical. Um, but also I wanted to incorporate um, the art to it and the drama of it uh, with my music uh, for my entrance and then also with my ring jackets. Um, so I think that the virtuosa is, you know, she's, she's cocky and she knows she's the best, but she's also cultured and sophisticated and loves history. And uh, those are all things that Diana Purrazzo really loves as a human being. So. Um, it wasn't as much of a, a, a outlandish character as it's more nuanced and um there's just like p- pieces of me that i try to exaggerate with my clothing and those kinds of choices
1: they always say the best characters are yourself but you turn it up a notch and another notch right and you just keep turning it
0: yeah and that's i mean i'm a history major in college that's that's what i'm learning every week now and uh, it's just something i i've always had an interest in so to be able to go through like different fashion trends and all these different time periods. And, um, you know, I really resonate with the fashion of the Renaissance and things like that, um, that I, I've been able to name moves after. And um, again, make jackets of has really been fun for me, uh, like on a personal level. So to, to live that through her, who, who the virtuosa is, um, really is so close to my heart. And Impact has just been amazing letting me go out there and try things and see if they work.
1: I feel like throughout the history of wrestling, whether it's Gorgeous George or Ric Flair, those guys that invest so much in the gear, it really shines through to the you know the consumer, the the fan, because they're always like, "Wow, who is this person?" So like when you're doing that with your gear, I feel like that like you're investing in yourself, but it's also raising your game. It's like, "Wow, she looks like a main eventer. She looks like a star." Right? Is that a part of it?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Pay-per-view gear has become a big thing for me, and, like, constantly um, on social media, like, I see people react to it, of like, ooh, what's she gonna be wearing for Hard to Kill? What's she gonna wear for Bound for Glory? And I really think that we can make gear statement pieces. So, um, especially because I'm not a Hulk Hogan-type character, I'm not, I don't talk like this, brother, and do all these crazy things. you know, I don't have all these crazy characteristics, the little things that I can do over the top and well, like my hat that I wore at Bound for Glory or, um, you know, my jacket from Slammiversary 2022, uh, uh, 2020, um, you know, all those things become super important when you're trying to get little characteristics across. Um, And I think that when I didn't have gear like this, I I definitely maybe didn't portray myself as a star. But now when I walk out there in a royal cloak and a giant hat, it's like, you can't not help but look at me or wonder where I got that from or what the inspiration was. So yeah, I 100% agree that gear means everything.
1: Sometimes like a wrestler, let's just say they're wearing black or something. Like, okay, that's wrestler B or whatever. They're going to lose. Wrestler A over here looks colorful. They have gear. Like it's just, even when you're just watching as a fan perspective, it's like, they look like somebody, like, I don't know who they are, but that's somebody. So that's why it, it's so important to do the gear. Even though you're going to invest more money, it's investing in, in the right way.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like I, I honestly couldn't, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on gear every year and It's the most important part of who I am, Uh, and you know I just I'm going through a bit of a character change, identity um, shift at Impact. So you know with the black jeans and the T-shirt, really because my actual gear that I was having made wasn't ready. Um, But (laughs) it's when you're going through these shifts and these different emotions, that is such a display of those things without having to utter a word. Um, So you know especially again for me who who needs those little things for people to understand, maybe. Um, really having an identity in terms of like, who? I wonder what she's gonna wear. And then looking like virtuosa. You know what I mean? She would be wearing purple, because that's the most royal color, or she would be wearing um, something that's covered head to toe in crystals. Like, she has a, in my mind, a very specific identity in what she would be wearing in every stage of her career that right. um, it's really become synonymous with who I right now, who I am
1: very macho man-esque. Remember he's yeah thousands upon thousands, every little thing like macho King, he's this way, but it, and on this show he's going to be wearing this color. Like everything was coordinated. But I mean, as soon as you saw him, you're like, Whoa, what's he wearing? Like, Oh my God, there's macho man. You know what I mean? Like that, that same vibe.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what I want.
1: <laughs> so with impact, you said, you know, obviously they've invested in you too. I mean, how's that relationship going? Because it just seems like a, a perfect fit for you there.
0: Yeah, it, it was the perfect storm. Um, I just, I think up until uh, when I started, so May of t- 2020, um, I just needed like a company to really take a chance and go full force with me. I hadn't had that um, up until that point with a major company. I, you know, didn't win the, the, Women of Honor Championship Tournament, back in Ring of Honor, and then I went to NXT, and we all know how that worked out for me. Um, And then, so it was kind of like, a company really needs to make a chance if I'm gonna make this work, and I want to accomplish real goals of mine, and that was always to be a champion. Um, And Impact was just willing to, again, give me the creative freedom to see the virtuosa through, um, and see if it had potential to work, and then also to, I mean, gave me the championship right away. Um, which I, honestly, when I when I found out, I said to Steve, I'm only going to tell you because I swear to God, it'll change. Like, I'm going to get there yeah. and they're going to be like, just kidding, you're losing. Um, and I was just so blown away that they trusted me that much um, and saw that, you know, saw all the potential in me and saw who I could be right off the bat because I was in a weird space. So I didn't even believe that I could necessarily live up to that. Um, but they have rebuilt me, like, wrestling-wise from the ground up, and my confidence as a person from the ground up. Um, so I, I can't speak enough. I gush over how much I love Impact because I just think that the environment is everything people, um, who have been through some stuff in wrestling is looking for. Just opportunity to, to be themselves and be creative and, uh, not be afraid to make mistakes.
1: I feel like Impact has been like the first ones to really say okay we're going to cement the women's division even going back years ago with the knockouts and stuff. Um I don't know if Dutch Mantel can get credit for it or Jeff Jarrett but like they kind of really said like okay we're going to give, you know, Gail Kim and Awesome Kong the ball. Like, it feels like Impact for years though have been kind of the trend setters as far as we're definitely going to give them a chance and we're going to give them good footing and we're going to give them, you know, a big push up the card.
0: And we kind of amongst our our own locker room talk about that that a lot that there's just this like underlying legacy of what it means to be a knockout and that means pushing the envelope for women's wrestling. It means um, that, you know, to be a knockout was was cool before it was cool to be a women's wrestler. It was before it was trendy to, to elevate women and for there to be a women's evolution. Um, the Knockouts had already been doing it, had been getting, you know, the highest rated rated segments on shows, main events, cage matches, stipulation matches, just, and just storylines and time on TV. So, um, there, there definitely is a weight that I feel, uh, to, to continue that legacy and to do right by someone like Gail Kim, who I work exclusively with backstage. And, um, you know, it's been fun to make her proud and to, to see her vision through even further. And then... The women I work with all feel that and want to honor that, too. So when you're working with with all of these women who see value in each other, see the diversity and the differences that we all bring and want to elevate each other, I mean, magic happens. And I think especially over the last, you know, 18 months that I've been at Impact, um, we've brought in a lot of people who have that common vision. And, um, I mean, shoot, we're having a first-ever women's Ultimate X match. Like, something like that, that maybe we never thought was possible, Impact's making possible. Um so yeah, it's just like I'll discuss all night, honestly. But um yeah, it means impact. so much yeah. to me to to be knockout and to to carry that legacy.
1: So what is Gail Kim's role in, in impact?
0: So Gail um is talent relations, um and she's also like the a producer. So she agents and produces the matches with us women specifically. Um, you know, I don't want to say that she doesn't do stuff with the men because I don't know. Um, but I know that for the longest time, every match that I have, I consult with Gail. Um, but then, yeah, she's talent relations, So we go to her with, like, all our general questions. And, um, yeah, she's just amazing.
1: Is she officially retired or is she going to come back?
0: <laughs> she says she's officially retired. I've tried to get her to wrestle... Um, but she says she's happy. She's happy with where she's at, what she's doing, how her body feels. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to say never say never for her, but, um, I I can't get her to, to wrestle me.
1: (laughs) You should do the gimmick. Like you, you know, you beat jazz. You kind of retire jazz. You should do that gimmick and beat her and retire her. I
0: called her out. She interrupted a promo, um, of mine back before Slammiversary. And I thought she was coming out to challenge me. And she was like, let me just... Tell you now, I'm retired. I have nothing left to prove. Um, but I think that I have hope. I have hope for one day.
1: She's still, you're still in shape, obviously. So she could do it, you know?
0: She could, 100%. She's amazing, and she looks amazing.
1: Yeah, call call her out. Like, come on. <laughs> she kind of you know set it off uh, for quite a bit for impact, really. I mean, that awesome Kong fu, that, that really you know set the bar pretty high for women's wrestling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, like that was unheard of for women's wrestling and um, they they set this trend for the knockouts to be um, revolutionary and to continue to push that envelope. So she has high visions for all of us and she she knows what she wants from us. And I think that there, again, with this, this legacy, there's just a respect of like, you created this and I want to do right by you. I want to, you know, make it worth it for you, what you went through and the struggles that you went through to get us to where we are now. So um, it's really important for me to make her proud and, and um, do right by her in everything that I get to do at impact.
1: What about Mickey James? Is there going to be a rematch coming for her?
0: Um, yes, Mickey and I are, uh, have a rematch at, um, Hard to Kill, January 8th. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm clearly looking to get my knockout championship back, but, um, yeah, not too thrilled about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Bound for Glory, obviously, was a big match, huge. Yeah. Didn't come out in the right way, but what did you think about working with Mickey?
0: Um, it's, it's been so fun to work with Mickey because I feel like, I, like you said, had this, like, I'm beating legends and I got to, you know, retire jazz. Um, I got to wrestle ODB. All of these knockout legends I've gotten a chance to interact with in some way. And um, I think that as much as Mickey has ne- been my biggest feud and impact, there was this this underlying story of, like, uh, you know, what legend is going to beat the upcomer. You know what I mean? It was kind of like teacher versus student. Someone needs to shut this cocky girl up, Um, and Mickey was the one to do that. So on a personal level, it was cool because Mickey, Jazz, ODB, Gail are all people that I watched growing up and made me want to fight for the same things for women's wrestling that they were fighting for. So to be able to work with them, I got to work with Melina at Empower, um, is really special on like a personal level uh, because when you get to wrestle you know your heroes like that's that's cool when your heroes become your co-workers and there's a mutual respect there um so yeah it's been fun but uh i'm excited to see where we go next and what else we can do um to top the feud that we have had up until this point and then our match at bound for glory
1: almost like a legend killer gimmick you got going on. yes oh. i
0: was referring to myself as the career killer for just a little bit i didn't catch on too much um but legend killer was obviously taken so i couldn't do that
1: right right that might be copyrighted by
0: probably by
1: by a guy named randall in in a company with an e it might be (laughs) copyrighted um but as far as mickey obviously huge legend in the business were you surprised to see like first of all her get released all that controversy with the the trash bag or whatever the hell that you know happened there but were you surprised to to see that almost because like this legend they almost i don't know didn't treat her in in that status you know and then she comes over to nwa and impact and now she's back to where she should be regarded as
0: yeah i mean i think it's a shame that they treated her that way that, you know, um, they were just so willing to throw people's stuff in, in bags and say bye um, and ship them to them. And, and, you know, it's it's just unfortunate that someone made that choice. Um, I love that she brought attention to it on social media and yeah. that people rallied behind her. And I know that all of those people got, you know, phone calls and things from um, higher-ups in WWE apologizing and, that, you know, people were reprimanded for those choices, as they should have been. Um, but I just think it's unfortunate that they just see people as so disposable and that, you know, you literally throw them out like trash. Um it's unfortunate because we give our lives and our bodies and we sacrifice so much to, to make that dream come true. Um, and then, you know, I, I had to fight every day to like prove that I was worth something or that I was a good person or that I deserved to be there. So, uh, for someone like Mickey who, you know, in impact broke down barriers, but then, you know, broke down barriers way before that in WWE, and her and Trish, just some of my favorite stuff growing up watching. So um, I think it's unfortunate, but I think that uh, everything happens for a reason. And to see how she came into impact, it, she was welcomed with open arms back, and the fans have really embraced um, you know, her specifically, but then all of the people that have been released over the last two years. Um, you know, I think that they're gonna shine and do way better and be better for what happened to them.
1: It's funny. Her and Chris was like the first storyline where they were like with the women they were giving more time to. You could see a little bit longer matches the storylines. Oh, Trish and Mickey would be on the show three times. They would thread them out. It was it was like, wow. But then it's like, OK, treat her so good. And then on the way out, I know there was a lot of time in between, but man, they forget like she kind of not started it off, but it kind of started a trend of like, hey, we're going to give the women a lot more TV time.
0: Yeah, I mean, she was definitely a part of it. So you know, like I said, it's it's just unfortunate that that's how they treat their talent, um, and 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 I guess talent that they're gonna get rid, re- you know, gonna release. Um, so you know, but again, the grass is always greener, and when you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure, right? So uh, you didn't like us, but look what we're doing now. And I think that as much as that's been my success story of. of you didn't see anything in me, but look at all the other really cool things that other people see in me. Um, I, I very much love when other people get to do that. And Mickey's gotten to do that. Um, you know, Chelsea Green has gotten to do that. The Iconics are doing that right now. Um, and those are just you know, some of the people that I'm close to and off the top of my head. But there's so many more. And, you know, unfortunately, more people were released. So Taya Valkyrie is going to do that. Mia Yim is going to do that. Uh, Tegan Knox. Nixon is going to do that, so um, I'm excited to see what they do um, to make them regret it.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, you're going to have a lot of talent to work with coming up. It seems like a lot of good. Yeah, I,
0: I love it. I'm so excited.
1: It's funny, like he's like, why? Why did this person get released? What you know what I mean? Just you just never know the thought process. Especially Ty Valkyrie. It's like, wow, you just signed her. She had five matches. Oh, she's on the market again.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure I, she's going to kill it. It's an, It's insane, and it's like. You know, um, I I just feel bad because it puts everyone in this uncomfortable position. And then, you know, in terms of wrestling and where else to go, it's kind of like a buyer's market. So, you know, hopefully everyone can get jobs and everyone can bounce back. But the reality that full rosters might have opportunities for everyone might not necessarily be there because this has happened so much. And, um, you know, when I was released and there was, I think, 18 of us or however many, uh, you know, back in in 2020, it was kind of like, well, this should have been happening on the regular. You know, not that I want people to be fired, but I don't think it necessarily would have been as shocking had they not ported talent to begin with. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, in years prior, before I was even there, regular firings, were regular and that's, you know, kind of, there were seasons to it. After Mania, people got released and yep. and um, it's just unfortunate that it's been so massive um, and such a blow to the entire wrestling community. Um, but again, p- there's places like Impact, there's places like AEW, there's places like MLW, um, NWA, and, and the Indies are thriving, that people are gonna bounce back and gonna be even better than they were prior.
1: When they were doing that and hoarding talent, did, did you think at that point that they were hoarding talent? Or, like, what was your thought process with that?
0: Oh, 100%. Um, for me, it was kind of like you just saw so many people coming into NXT. And I was signed with, you know, Keith Lee and Io Shirai. And, um, you know, there was a ton of people in my class. And then uh, there just came a point of, like, okay, but people also aren't being called up. So, you know, people are staying in NXT for three years, four years, five years, and at no point are new spots opening up for the amount of talent that's ready to come in and fill those positions. So there was someone like me who, and I think people thought I deserve to, to be the champion or whatever, and I, I never thought that. I just thought I deserve to be doing something um, in some capacity and not losing in two minutes to every other person, every other week, um, you know, but there was just no other spot because, because of storylines, because people were staying in NXT because they were hiring new people that they saw an immediate spot for. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought that the whole time I was there because then people also weren't being released. And then also too, I vocalized that. So that was a problem.
1: (laughs) not good. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that was just, with the competition and the way wrestling was going, that was like the the compulsion was to just like higher, higher, higher. But then you know they kind of, in a way, screwed themselves.
1: Yeah, now that I guess they're man, I think they fired almost a hundred people uh, in the last year. Jeez. Nuts and two hundred office workers.
0: Insane! It's insane, and I I just have no idea why. Um, you know, like. You hired all of them, so you see value in them. And, and you know, I, I guess I'm going to go back to people are going to be treated way better elsewhere. They're going to do more elsewhere. They're going to f- feel fulfilled more elsewhere. And I say that from personal experience, that that's what I went through. Although I was not happy in NXT, it's still upsetting to be released. And um, as much as I was, like, relieved and happy, it's also like, oh, crap, what are my options? Because you have a job and you're getting paid one day and then the next you don't. Um, and that's a scary reality. So, um you know, all I can say to those people is like to stay positive and um you know, you have some time to figure out what your next moves are, but know that whatever those steps are whether it's wrestling or not wrestling, um you're going to thrive.
1: They got to do what you did. Think about the character, think about where you want to go and invest in yourself but really build yourself up and and be ready.
0: Yeah, and there's so many places that people can do that now. So, um I'm excited for all those people. I'm excited to see where they go and what they can do, whether it's wrestling or not.
1: How did you get into NXT? I know you were doing some like enhancing matches and stuff, right? You were working extras, quote unquote. So how did you yeah. get in and get signed?
0: Um. So I... I uh, actually started doing extra work um, in 2014 with Wow. Um, Ron Smackdown. Adam Rose was on the roster. So they always had extras to, you know, party down the ramp with him. And yeah, that buds. was my first. Yeah. I went to Monday night raw, the end of June, 2014. It was the first time um, in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> and uh, then I just did that regularly. I did that regularly for probably a year and a half. I was, Traveling um, for Raw or SmackDown to to be uh, a rosebud, and um, with that I got an opportunity um, to go to NXT and potentially have a um, like a little squash match. So uh, I got to wrestle Nia. I think, yeah, I think the first one was against Naya. And, you know, just make those connections. Triple H was in the ring telling us what he wanted. Sarah Amato was in the ring, you know, telling us what they wanted for the match. So when you get to kind of work a little bit one-on-one with those people and you're an extra, um, you know, what? I, I wanted to make her look great. Um, so I left a good impression and then I was asked back for probably another year or two um, to continuously be in that role. Um, at the same time, I was also doing a lot of stuff with, with Ring of Honor, um, you know, helping push to build a women's division there. Um, and you know, I was lucky enough to, to go to Japan to be doing a ton of indie work. Um, so it all just kind of mashed together that I was like growing my name and my brand. Um, and then the Mae Young Classic happened, the first one. And I was supposed to be in that. Um, and then last minute they pulled me and said I was going to be an alternate. Um, and, uh, I was kind of, I was really pissed. I was really pissed. Um, yeah, guess, cause it was just yeah. like, at this point I had, you know, um, wrestled Naya twice. I had wrestled Asuka twice. I had, um, you know, been to Ron SmackDown, had a ton of tryout matches at SmackDown. I had also had, uh, official NXT tryout in February of 2016 that, you know, I killed, um, and was told like you killed it, but just not right now. Um, and then I felt like if I was going to be rewarded, I would at least have a first round match and lose. Um, and I couldn't even get that. So I kind of took that as like, "Mm, don't really need to be doing stuff with them right now because clearly I'm not being valued. And, uh. You know, I had a long conversation with Hunter and he was like, I don't owe you an apology, but I feel like I do because you can look around, you know you fit in and you belong here, but it's demographic and it's logistics and there's things that are out of our control that we need to do for this show, um, which I I appreciated tremendously. He spoke about me on like ESPN or something, but it all boiled down to like, but what I'm doing is not working. So let me take some time. And uh, the next time they asked me to be an extra, I said, no, um, I signed a contract with Ring of Honor. And then, like four months later, they were like, "No, we want to hire you." And I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> why now?" Um, but because somebody else you know, wanted you. Yeah. yeah, right before I had just been announced to to compete it all in. Um, I was yeah assigned to Ring of Honor, um, and I had an option to to get out of my Ring of Honor contract if I wanted to. Anyway, so there was potential for me. To leave um, and not be like tampering or anything like that, um, but yeah. So I mean, I agreed to go, and I cut a Japan trip, uh, a Japan trip short. I canceled off all in, um, and then I started at the PC in um, July of 2018.
1: Any regrets there doing that? One hundred percent.
0: I I say one hundred percent because. Um, I would have been wrestling, you know, with, with two or three of my best friends at all. And, um, and I, I hate that Chelsea and Britt have that moment that I could have been a part of, and those are my two best friends, and I didn't get to do it. I, I, I regret that so much, that moment that they share, um, that I could have shared with them. Uh, and and the, what came after? We didn't know AEW was going to be a thing. So um, I definitely think that I would have been in a different position then had I not signed to NXT, and did all in and, and who knows what where I could be right now but um I think on the flip side to that I don't regret it because I had worked so hard for four years to get the yes from NXT to for them to say we want you that if I had said no I think I would have questioned whether they would have ever wanted me or what would have happened if I didn't say no if I didn't say if i didn't say no and i said yes you know what i mean so yep. it's kind of like it's it's a double-edged sword because i regret it knowing how nxt worked out for me but i don't regret at least giving nxt a try
1: and then all in like you said you would have had that the uh, cool moment with uh your friends great yeah. in uh, chelsea yeah
0: i know but you know what they had the cool moment i love them both i love what both of them are doing right now so it's kind of like I, I can't harp on what didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, I can only hope that one day our dream match is a three-way between, between the three of us. And maybe that can happen one day.
1: But if that happened, an impact wouldn't have happened. And you know what I mean? Everything would have changed.
0: Yeah. I think that the whole trajectory of my career would have been different. But um, to get where I'm at now, it was a struggle. And it was, it was tough. And... I went through a lot in the last two years personally and professionally, but um, to the point that I'm at now, which is, which is healthy and happy. And um, I'm literally living my best life as a human being Um, personally and professionally. Now I, I I can't really change anything because I'm at the highest point that I've ever been. So uh, again, I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason.
1: With NXT, was there any bright spots, anything there Were you, you know, good takeaways from the time there?
0: Oh, I mean, gosh! I got to debut on Raw as Diana, not extra local talent, Um, and I had a 12-minute two-seg with Asuka on Raw. Um, That was competitive, and um, you know, I got asked back for a couple weeks. So definitely, there. I think when I first was released, I was very like, I need to tell my story, and I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I forgot what the good things were. You know, I was an extra for so long, I had two minute squash matches that I got no offense in and um, I really got to be me, the virtuosa Diana prazo on Monday Night Raw. Um that's really cool. So it's just a constant reminder that there were good takeaways. And you know, I got to to meet really great people and and make friendships with really great people who are still my friends. So um there is takeaways that are positive and, and change my life.
1: So with NXT, like while you're down there, you said there's so many people how many people like you're in the performance center training and all that stuff
0: oh gosh I, I couldn't tell you now but there were upwards of a hundred some odd people when I was there oh wow yeah
1: <laughs> it's a little much no I mean, yeah it's it's a
0: lot and you know it's I, I would I, I didn't do any college sports or professional sports or anything like that but I would like in that environment to like a, a football team that like there's there's 52 spots on a team 53 spots on a team. Um, and if you don't make those spots, then you're vying for those spots. And you're just in that environment 24-7, competing 24-7 with people for these opportunities. And and it it's, uh, takes a toll on you, especially where I was coming from, which was, you know, from Ring of Honor, from traveling the world, from, uh, you know, having these killer independent matches all over the country, all over the world, and now I'm sedentary in one place, can barely get the opportunity to wrestle on a live event. Um, I'm not winning anything, you know, which in a, which sounds silly, but, like, it also reflects the position that they see you in. So if you're losing all of the matches, then you're like, well, clearly they're not seeing potential in me to do something on TV. I'm just, you know, a body to, to lose to someone they want, you know? So it takes its toll on you mentally, and it did it for me, of, like, what am I doing here? And, you know, was this worth it, and do I even want to be here? And, you know, and then just some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, it was just kind of like... No, this is all too much. This is all too much for for me, and I I don't want to be here.
1: When there's that many people there, though, there's only a certain amount of spots. Like for let's say Raw or SmackDown or NXT, I mean, it just seems like it's hundred people. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it was a tough environment, and you're with those people every single day. You're training every day in some capacity. So, um, yeah, it's just you're just under pressure and under the spotlight, twenty four hours a day.
1: So the interaction with Triple H was good but was he there often or is he one of the, or is he watching from afar?
0: Um he was definitely there often. I mean we we started, you know, NXT started live TV while I was there. So um he was definitely around every week and I did get to have conversations with him and then get to talk to him and ask for advice or ask uh what do you need for me or or what am I doing? I feel in a bit of a weird space. Um so I have no complaints about him. He was always honest. And upfront with me. Um, and I feel like we had a great relationship while I was there. It it just was that I wanted more. I wanted to be doing more. I wanted to feel a part of more. And that wasn't the role that I was seen in.
1: When that happens, like, how does that affect, like, work rate or, you know, whatever you want to say. Like, how does that affect you? Does that kill your confidence? Does it make you not want to be there? Like, how does that affect you mentally? And then in the ring.
0: Yeah, I, I think in the ring is like kind of my safe space and it's kind of mm-hmm. like I can control everything here um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a control freak. So in terms of ring work, I just think I became more focused and more uh, aggressive and like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Ooh, I, I don't know if I can first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't give a, I don't care because in this space, I know that I'm good at this. Um, but outside of it, it definitely affected like my confidence in, in who I am as a person. And and I always thought, too, like, my wrestling out, my accomplishments outside of WWE are strictly based on the accomplishments of my life and, and the effort that I put in and the things that I gave up to put in. And then to go there and then be like, well, it doesn't matter what you did before here. You know, you start over when you're here it was like, Wait a minute. Those are the things I'm most proud of for me, and the things that I worked, you know, since I was a nine year old girl to be able to wrestle in a korakuen hall, or to be given the opportunity to to um, even fly to, to Japan to wrestle. Like when you strip that away from someone, it's like, holy crap, like these are my real life accomplishments. Right? It's not me fitting a demographic or me fitting a role. It's now saying, oh, well, Deanna Perazzo as a person doesn't matter, is how I felt. Um, and it really affected me. And then in terms of like, okay, well now I'm here six months and I'm not moving up or here now I'm eight months and I'm not moving up, but this person comes in and is moving up. Like I had numerous conversations of like, what more do you need from me? And then eventually I, I said, I don't really care what you need from me. Like, I'm over this. I, I don't care anymore because it's clear you've made your mind up about who I am. And um, I don't agree that I'm that type of person, whether it's personally or what I do in the ring. So I'm just going to I'm going to fight you on everything. And I fought on everything.
1: How do they feel about that? they probably not not happy with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I was definitely labeled as a problem. I was definitely labeled as someone who has a loud mouth, but. I wanted, for a long time, I wanted to check every box. I wanted to say, and I think I went in with that mindset of, like, if this doesn't work out, I'll be okay, because I've already conquered what I would go back to um, in terms of independent wrestling. So uh, I think that when I went in, it was kind of like, if this works out, great, and if it doesn't, okay. But when I got to that point of, like, this isn't working out, I went and I had vignettes made, and I pitched all these ideas, and, you know, me and Chelsea pitched... Um, being a tag team, me and Chelsea and Rachel Ouring pitched being kind of like a a female undisputed error shield type thing. Um, I pitched a ton of different ideas. I pitched, um, they had me lose a couple times on TV. I pitched losing and making that a thing until I snap. You know what I mean? I pitched like, I don't even need to win the match. Let me just keep the arm bar and get disqualified and that can set up a feud with this baby face and um i would do extra promos and film stuff at home and um i really can say at the end of the day i put every bit of of me into that place to make it work and it, and it didn't because i i when i feel taken advantage of or i feel like um i'm not wanted then i i have an opinion about it and i'm gonna stand up for myself and i'm gonna advocate for myself and i don't necessarily think at the time that was what they wanted out of talent
1: so they don't want like collaboration really i mean they if it let's say it's their idea they'll push it but if the wrestlers coming up with it they're, they're not necessarily wanting ideas
0: i mean I, don't, I now i can't speak for what they want now i just know that everything that i tried to do was not used
1: <laughs> kind of weird like um in the most successful period of wrestling they always had like the you know maybe the writers or the bookers were ever collaborating with the wrestlers this is how i would act this is how i would be if i lost i would snap like i mean it kind of makes sense but i guess that's not the way they do things uh, there
0: i mean i think probably that could be the case for some people i just think that um because i spoke my mind maybe a little too soon and maybe a little too aggressively um that i think that it was just made up that like this is who she is and we don't want to deal with that and then i got to the point of like yeah that is who i am and i don't want to deal with you <laughs> The Jersey yeah. attitude came out, and then of course, no yes. one likes
1: me. <laughs> yes, oh, she's from New Jersey. Oh, jeez, yep. There you go. Yep, that'll that'll hurt you too. Yeah. Yeah. Instant heat, New Jersey. But I was talking to somebody recently, and they were a graduate of the Heart Dungeon. So I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome! Like, you know, the, you got to promote it." It's like, "Nope." As soon as I got there, they said, "Nope, you're not." He goes, "No, no, no," but I really am. I'm a graduate of the Heart Dungeon. X, uh, you know, X TJ, X Harry. Hey, you know, it's like, "Nope, not anymore. Not to us." It's like, but that's instant credibility. Like, nope, It's right. Like, weird that they do stuff like that and like discount the past when that should be brought up to enhance the character and give credibility for the future.
0: Yeah. I mean, you'd think that that, uh, you know, me, me and Chelsea were told, um, like, we just don't know why best friends would be a tag team. Like, being best friends doesn't mean you're a tag team. And I was like, um, why not? Like we, we <laughs> like have pictures together. We've traveled the world together. She's legitimately been my best friend for like seven years um I think that we'd work together I think that it would there's a dynamic there because we literally spend every day of our lives together um so you know I think that for for some people they see it and for you know what I mean and then for other people that's not what they see so I mean I don't I don't really know I thought that was absurd that I couldn't be a tag team with my best friend because we were best friends
1: (laughs) right I noticed too. She was pitching something on social media, and then all of a sudden, she was released. So I was like, "Oh, I guess we're not allowed to pitch ideas on social media." Like, "Hey, me and Mickey James are team." And then, her and Mickey James are both gone. <laughs> it's like, "Whoa, I guess they don't like that." Damn.
0: Yeah. Well, VXT, our tag team, was very much just a social media movement. Yeah. <laughs> Fans wanted to see it, and we pushed it, and and you know, so. Um, but I think that again, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, that social media is our biggest asset. Um, in times like that, and me and you know Chelsea but me specifically saw social media as a way to to be creative and to to push things that maybe could work on TV or to push a character or um you know what I mean to get things across to a larger audience to see if it works or if it didn't and then that could give you some confidence you know I in NXT also could barely cut a promo um because promo classes were in front of your peers and that freaked me out and I had never done promo class before so you know coming into my own now having to do entering promos and things like that um you know I've, I think that uh maybe what I was doing there was was all brand new to me and I wasn't putting my best foot forward in some situations because I was I was nervous or I was shy or I was uncomfortable and I wasn't capable of breaking through yet We're now you know being an impact Um, I've gotten opportunities to do in-ring promos and constant backstage promos and really tap into who this character is and understand her. Um, 360, no matter what she's going through in any situation with anyone. um, And it's built my confidence back up. So, you know, um, there's definitely things that, you know, over the last two years, I think I've been better at than I was there.
1: Who was running promo class then?
0: Uh, I have no idea. Now?
1: No, then when you were there.
0: Oh, um, there was a there was all different people. Sometimes other people jumped in, but uh, um, Ryan Katz.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Smiley. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, years ago, before he passed, but Dusty was like the infamous where everybody had stories that, which made sense. I mean, he's like the ultimate promo guy. Yeah, made sense. But I could see people like flourishing with him there. But you know, group of your peers. Just the setup. Even when they showed on the documentary for the network, they were showing like it's guys just all hanging out, like "Hey, yeah, um, you know, Deanna Barraza, you're up," and then you just go up and you start kind of promo, and and then they're like act like uh, you know act like the Joker, and then you have to you know be crazy and stuff. I mean, that seems like a lot of a little peer pressure, I guess you could say. Yeah,
0: and 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 like. I'm not a shy person whatsoever, but even asked me to stand up in a meeting and be like, um, well, this is how I feel. And my voice cracks and like, it's just not my ideal scenario. So I've really had to learn how to be comfortable in those situations. And, um, you know, I kind of have like a high pitched voice anyway. So to just get over the fact that like, I talk how I talk and my voice is my voice and it's a little shaky and it is what it is, but I'm going to embrace it.
1: Yeah. I just think that just the idea is like wow, they're having promo classes. Like it's just interesting, like the way it's structured WB wise, because you know, back in the day these guys don't have scripts, they're they're just cutting promos, they're they're their own characters. A lot different wrestling nowadays, especially WB, with sometimes I saw recently, not gonna say who, but they were reading off a teleprompter on TV. I was like, that is crazy. You could clearly <laughs> see they go like this, and they like, I was like, Oh my god, I can't believe that. But that I mean that's the way I guess wrestling is now.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's what's good is they're giving people chances, you know what I mean? And, and this this um, new NXT seems to be telling people, like, you're either going to get it or you're not. You're going to make it work or you're not. And I think that that's different and I think that it's cool because it's, I think people, and me, I, I went through this at Impact, like, all of a sudden being a champion and being like, oh my gosh, two months ago I didn't even know if I was going to wrestle anymore um, when you're put under pressure, you either thrive or you don't, and you either live up to the expectation or you don't. And I think that as performers and as, as athletes, um, wrestlers are, are able to do that and just grow into the role you're in. So I think that it's interesting that They have completely changed from all that we talked about me going through to what they're doing now, which is just putting people on TV and seeing what happens. Um, And it's exciting and it's fresh and it's new. And, uh, you know, it might not have the best reputation on social media, but I going through what I went through really enjoy seeing people have to grow through that pressure and whether it's going to work ultimately or not.
1: Very true. Now, did you actually think you weren't going to wrestle anymore at one point? (laughs)
0: yeah i just again with everything that i was going through it was just kind of like i i definitely had these moments of like is this really what i've wanted like it, it, did i really sacrifice all this to be treated like this or like to again not have my my things that i'm most proud of about me count or like you know just question whether i loved it or any or not anymore and i think that it also came with like i didn't necessarily love the person I was at that point. So it was kind of like, if I don't love me, how can I love anything? Um, And that's why I say like Impact not only restored my confidence in wrestling, but as Deanna, the human being, Um, because I've just been able to become healthier all around and and believe in myself and have confidence and then fall back in love with wrestling. Um, Since I was nine, all I ever wanted to do was be a wrestler. And I just... Yeah, and NXT went through this thing of, like, I don't even think that I love this anymore because is, is all the bullshit worth it right now? And, you know, it was. It absolutely was. And I think that um, to really thrive, maybe we'll all go through moments like that. But, yeah, when I was released, I I was like, maybe I don't want to wrestle for a long time anymore.
1: Wow, well, they almost killed your passion for the business. Lifelong fan and, you know, wrestled for years <laughs> and they killed your passion for the business.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I think I... I love Impact that much more because um, it gave me my, my love for this back. It gave me my love for me back. And, uh, you know, obviously work that I had to do on my own and outside of wrestling. But um, I've now found, you know, I'm in school again. I have found passions outside of this that really counterbalance the, the stress of being a wrestler that maybe had I had in NXT, I wouldn't have dug so deep into a hole. You know what I mean?
1: So with just in general, like, let's say AEW, seems like the Forbidden Door whatever Tony likes to call it, it it's open. Obviously, NWA and, and Impact have, have a good relationship. You said you did Empower against Melina. Yeah. Like, AEW, a place you'd want to work if the, the, the doors are open?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, have been one of the main people to, to constantly push for, like, hey, women should be a part of this. Um, yeah, what about Britt? Obviously, AEW yeah. has uh, a tremendous... Uh, amount of of women's talent that I'd love to work with, like I've said, Britt is obviously one of my best friends. Um, but I, yeah, I was really disappointed that women didn't get to do too much um, through the Forbidden Door. But uh, on the same time, ta- at the same time, like I did get to do Empower, which was uh, AAW was a part of that, NWA was a part of that, um, AAA was a part of that. I got to go to AAA and win the Ran Raymanis Championship. I got to wrestle Thunder Rosa at same anniversary. So it's also kind of like maybe the women's side doesn't get enough credit for the work that we actually did get to do because we didn't necessarily get these dream matches that fans want to do. But um, I think there's definitely more that could be done in the future. And, um, you know, I don't know what my future holds moving forward.
1: It's pretty good, though, of impact to be so open. Like, okay, NWA, good. AEW's good. Oh, AAA, Conan, Mexico. Like, I mean, that's great, too.
0: Yeah, I've had – the best year of my, my career, um, being able to go to all these different companies and work with all these different people. Um, and, you know, I never wrestled in Mexico prior, so that really checked off a bucket list thing for me. Um, but yeah, I think Impact is kind of like, competition is good and what's what's good for us is good for business. So to be able to, to work, um, you know, and have Kenny as the Impact World Champion and have that crossover gets more eyes on our product. Um, you know, people that maybe weren't necessarily impact fans are now. Um, and, you know, especially the crossover with Kenny and, and the World Championship, um, record numbers were set for impact on our social platforms. So um, it's really interesting to see what the benefits were. And, um, you know, it was, it's interesting to see how impact has kind of evolved through all of those things. And at first, it was just like people coming into us, and now they're sending people elsewhere, um, working a ton with the New Japan. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. I think this Forbidden Door is what's made wrestling cool right now
1: it seems like obviously wb is like more guarded but everybody else seems like wide open i mean it's great
0: yeah I, I, and like i said i think that what's what's good for one is good for all and when you just kind of have these these um open relationships and you can kind of pick and choose and float in and out it keeps it exciting and fresh and uh, that's what's been great for Impact is is you no know, um, Jonah debuted at our recent um, Impact Plus Turning Point pay per view, um, and we just kind of have seen him demolish people. Mickey just uh, wrestled Kira Hogan for the Knockouts Championship on the NWA Hard Times Two pay per view. So uh, you can kind of see a little bit of everyone everywhere, and I think again that's what makes it exciting. Is like who's going to be here this time, and you know what are they going to do, and and how's this going to play out next week? um it's like reinvigorated the whole business
1: yeah very very cool as we hit the wind down head towards the finish i like to call it like the youtube playlist like somebody just goes in and types in diana Prazo, diana okay. vert, like diana Prazo versus give us some of the favorite matches or favorite opponent that somebody should go on youtube and you know type in those matches
0: um okay Moon and jordan grace from slamversary 2020 um i actually had a three-way with jordan and kiara hogan that was the main event of an impact um that was one of my favorite matches um gosh i had a i have a no disqualification match with karen q at ring of honor um that i absolutely love um
1: another new jersey girl right
0: yeah. Um uh, no, she's from she's from Queens. Oh, no. <laughs> I say yes because I'm like it's right there, but no. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah, th- those are my top that I can think of. I have like a a Ring of Honor Women of Honor tournament match against Mayu Iwatani. Um that is a really great match. Um yeah. <laughs> Me and Melina at Empower is probably one of my favorites. I wrestled Sue I wrestled Sue Young as Susan on Impact not too long ago, and I think that's probably one of my favorite matches ever at Impact.
1: Who's a, like a young up-and-comer? Since you're kind of like the, the lead dog, who's a young up-and-comer you could see making waves? Um,
0: there's a few. Um, off the top of my head, Kenzie Page. Um, I think she's absolutely phenomenal. She's the sweetest person I've probably ever met. Um, and she does a lot of stuff with, with NWA right now, but I'd really love to see her um, get some more opportunities and impact. Um, Megan Bain trains with my trainer, Damian, in Jersey. Um, I've wrestled her quite a few times. I think she's phenomenal. I think she, um, brings something new to, to women's wrestling and she's just like this powerhouse, but she could also kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, she's got this cool character. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the two, I think off the top of my head, I'm probably forgetting other people that in 20 minutes, I'm going to be like, Oh, I should have said that person.
1: <laughs> true. Very true. Damien Adams, of course, uh, great New Jersey native. Uh, yes. Well. One of my best uh, friends. Rip Rogers, uh, obviously. It's kind of second generation, but you know, Rip Rogers, um, disciple.
0: Yeah. And so Damien trained with Rip. And then obviously I trained with Damien. So I, I love that even though I don't train with Damien, you know, necessarily every every day, every month. No, every couple months anymore. Um, he's he's honestly become one of my best friends. I talked to him on the phone for like 30 minutes yesterday, um, nice. just to BS about wrestling and and when I need to fly up to Jersey to train or prepare, he's always welcoming me with open arms. And um, Rip is someone that I don't talk to nearly as much as I used to, but um, the fact that little nine-year-old Deanna had this plan that she was going to um train to be a wrestler at OVW with Rip Rogers. And I was also going to go to the University of Kentucky and be on their co-ed cheerleading team. Um, and I was going to go to college at the University of Kentucky for exercise science. So the fact that that dream is a, that's just impossible for anyone, but um, that I got to, to train with Rip at OVW and um, he's become such a mentor and friend of mine, um, is really, really cool for for this adult, Tiana.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Rip one of the best, one of the best trainers of all time. No doubt yeah. about it. So what's next for you? What do you got planned next?
0: Um we have um that Impact throwback show, I don't throwback throwdown I think it's called, um in Louisville, um actually at I think it's at the OEW arena, funny enough. Ooh. Um coming up next weekend um and we all kind of are gonna have these cool crazy throwback characters so i'm really excited for my outfit to come in um and for everyone to see what my character is um and then we're pretty much done for the year um chelsea and matt are getting married at the on new year's so we have that coming up of course christmas is around the corner so um yeah it's all it's kind of all focused ahead towards hard to kill the beginning of the year
1: very cool. Please give us all the plugs, all your social media, where everybody can find you.
0: Everyone can find me at Deanna Perazzo on Twitter and Instagram. I always say the verified ones because that is really me.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I, I I can't believe some people will fall for it, but it's guys got to have the blue check mark. Come on. They got to be verified. I'm never going
0: to ask you to send me money um, right. unless you're buying something on my merch store. That is the only time that you're going to be prompted to give me money. Um, other than that, I'm never going to ask for your for your account information, for your bank statements, or anything like that. <laughs> so if someone does that, that should be a telltale sign. It's not me.
1: Yeah. So somebody's like, please, uh, to a wrestler, send me a gift, card, or the wrestler wrestler quote unquote send me a gift card so i know that you're a true fan like and the person would send them a gift card it's like roman reigns one one two three three is not roman reigns and they're not verified like oh come on
0: no and there are some great fans that like bring gift cards or bring treats to you know a package of oreos or cookies or whatever to signings or independent shows and things like that and even then i'm like oh my gosh you didn't have to do that like literally that's the sweetest thing. And I appreciate you so much that you thought to do that. I didn't ask. Um, and I would never ever ask. I feel like, oh my God, oh, thank you. I guess. Right, and right. Um, yeah. I'm just not a good I'm not a good gift receiver. I'm a very good gift giver. So um the fact that people do that is is mind blowing and so sweet to me because I'd never ask.
1: Very good stuff though, Deanna. Thank you so much for all the time. <laughs> appreciate it. Fellow New Jersey native, thank you. two-man power trip, where the power lies, brother.